the information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we are going to be exploring Chapter 15, Aragog. I really enjoyed this chapter. I personally love spiders. I think they're amazing creatures, and this one was a lot of fun. So... At the end of the last chapter, Dumbledore and Hagrid directed some cryptic messages to Harry and Ron. If the governors desire my removal, I will, of course, step aside. However, you will find that help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. Come, Hagrid. Well, if um, if anybody was looking for some stuff, then all they'd have to do would be to follow the spiders. Yep, that'd lead them right. That's all I have to say. Oh, and someone will need to feed Fang while I'm away. Harry knows what Dumbledore said is important. What do you think Dumbledore is telling the boys here? Well, even though in the previous chapter we saw that Harry and Ron were under the Cloak of Invisibility, I think that Dumbledore can see through the cloak. Mm -hmm. And I think he was trying to tell them that if they need help, they can always talk to the teachers, to himself, or to Professor McGonagall and still get the support that they need, which we certainly see at the end of the book. Right, definitely. So now that Hermione is one of the latest victims, Harry seems a very unlikely suspect. Students know that Harry would not do anything to hurt one of his best friends. Ernie McMillan even approaches Harry and apologizes for the way he treated him. Is this a form of guilt or shame? Well, at the very least, externally, we're seeing evidence of guilt. He seems to feel bad about his actions about having accused Harry. As far as whether he feels shame, we don't know. Shame is an internal experience, and usually it means feeling bad about yourself as a whole, as opposed to guilt, which means feeling bad about a specific action. So from this specific interaction, it's hard to tell if he's feeling shame, but he does appear to be feeling guilt. Yeah, definitely. What does it say about Harry and Ron's treatment of Ernie after his apology? Harry seems to immediately forgive Ernie, and Ron isn't ready to let go. He's kind of still upset. 
I think that a lot of times we tend to be very protective of our friends and therefore might have an easier time forgiving some kind of an indiscretion against ourselves as opposed to against someone we love and care about. Ron is very protective over his friends. And so I think it's harder for him to let go of this specifically because Harry was accused. I think if the situation was different, if it was Ron that was being targeted, Ron might have an easier time of forgiving him. I would have a hard time forgiving people too. <laughs> That's just personal. I'm, I'm very protective of my friends and loved ones as well. As mentioned earlier, Hagrid told the boys that they should follow the spiders if they want to find out more. The boys keep noticing that there's these herds of spiders following one another in these waves. We know that Ron is deathly afraid of spiders. And even though Ron is terrified of spiders, he, Harry, and Fang take Hagrid's advice and follow the trail of spiders into the dark forest. Come on. What? You heard what Hagrid said. Follow the spiders. Head into the dark forest. Why spiders? Why couldn't it be follow the butterflies? What is the power that is helping Ron overcome his fears here? We know Ron is suffering from arachnophobia. It's a phobia of spiders. And in fact, just seeing spiders causes him to feel sometimes paralyzed or causing him to have panic attacks. However, in this situation, he's connecting to his core values, which, which is saving his friend, finding out any information he can to save Hermione and to help Hagrid's case. And so I think that when we are able to see the picture, to see the task, the mission as greater than ourselves, we might be able to go into it even if we're feeling extremely afraid. This is the very definition of courage, which is when we're afraid, but we're willing to show up anyway. And for Ron, he's willing to face his biggest fear in order to support his friends. That's the definition of courage here. That's what makes him such a great Gryffindor that he is. Yeah, it's pretty courageous to go into the dark forest anyway. You hear so many things about, you know, werewolves and vampires and whatever in there. And now he's following these spiders. So it's pretty cool to see him just stand up to these fears. And Harry, too. And Fang. We all know Fang's a carrot. While they're in the dark forest, the boys hear branches crack and a sound like something very large is following them. Suddenly, bright lights appear and make the spiders scatter. The boys lose the spider trail, but have suddenly found Arthur Weasley's enchanted car. You know, the one they lost at the beginning of the book. There's something moving over there. Listen. It sounds like something big. Big? Harry! Harry, it's our car! It must have been here all the time. Hello! Horses has turned it wild. Come on, we don't want to lose the trail. It lives, and it is wild now. I love in the movie how it has like moss on the grill and everything, like <laughs> almost like it, it's got a quarantine beard or something. You know, <laughs> it's pretty funny. But once it sees the boys, it approaches them slowly like a large, and I'm quoting this, a large turquoise dog greeting its owner. It seems sentient, like it, it really is alive. It's just like Kit from Knight Rider back in the day, you know, it has a bit of personality. What do you think about the concept of mechanical things being sentient? 
I think it's absolutely lovely and I think it's allowing us to grow in empathy and understand how other beings and other things can feel. By promoting empathy even toward inanimate objects, we can have an easier time as readers finding empathy toward other characters, even if they're characters we don't necessarily like or relate to. So I think it's a really powerful way of building this sense of empathy and creating a sense of connection to different kinds of characters, including inanimate objects. Once the car sort of just backs into the cloak of the dark forest, the boys are suddenly grabbed by very large spiders who take them to their father, Aragog. Aragog is a huge spider, the size of a small elephant. He's an old spider who has gray hair and is blind. And even cooler than that, Aragog has the ability to talk. Who is it? Don't panic. Hagrid, is that you? We're friends of Hagrid's. You're Aragog, aren't you? Hagrid has never sent men into a hollow before. He's in trouble. Up at the school, there have been attacks. They think it's Hagrid. They think he opened the Chamber of Secrets, like before. That's a lie. Hagrid never opened the Chamber of Secrets. Then you're not the monster. No. The monster was born in the castle. I came to Hagrid from a distant land. In the pocket of a traveler. Sentient cars, talking spiders. I mean, it's so magical. I love magic. I love the <laughs> Harry Potter series. It's so wonderful. So good. <laughs> what do you think about Aragog and Hagrid's love for dangerous creatures like him? Well, Hagrid is not a dangerous creature, but he likes <laughs> he likes creatures of all types and all shapes and all sizes. But I think he has a special soft spot for large creatures and ones that a lot of other people would normally either fear or discard or harm. Because I think he understands how appearances can be deceiving. I wonder if Hagrid himself had ever faced discrimination for being a half-giant both in the human and in the giant community. I wonder if Hagrid maybe understands how difficult it might be for larger beings to receive support and compassion. So I think that his own experiences are probably making it easier for him to be compassionate toward creatures that other people are likely to discard or maybe even arm themselves against. And I think that it's this sense of compassion that makes him such a great teacher in the future Harry Potter series books. But I think that it really teaches us a lot as readers. Instead of fearing a creature, a, a giant animal, we may have an easier time of having empathy toward this creature if we're able to see it from Hagrid's loving eyes, for example. Speaking of Hagrid not being a creature... Aragog tells Harry and Ron the story about how Hagrid is actually a very good man, one that raised him and cared for him. He also says that Hagrid did not open the Chamber of Secrets and reveals that the girl that died back then died in the girl's bathroom. He also explains that he is not the monster from the Chamber of Secrets. But if you're not the monster, then, then what did kill that girl 50 years ago? We do not speak of it. 
It is an ancient creature we spiders fear above all others. But have you seen it? I never saw any part of the castle, but the books in which Hagrid kept me. It is even referred to as the monster Voldemort. What does this suggest about fear when something scary is itself afraid? I think that the idea here is that once again, if we're not able to even name it, it makes it a lot more terrifying to face this creature from what we know about what this creature is. It's a kind of predator that uses its influence, right? Its ability to paralyze its prey and take advantage of it. And so if we think about it in human terms, this kind of monster would be terrifying, almost like a predator, you know, like a, somebody who commits, for example, sexual assault. And so for some individuals who've been through a lot of trauma, the idea of talking about their traumatic experience or referring to their attacker by name can be really painful. A lot of my patients, for example, that I work with say that they have a really difficult time referring to their perpetrator by name. And so over time, we work with them to be able to do that, to take the fear of the name away, to therefore reduce the fear of that individual so that they can get their story back so that they can realize that they're a survivor, not a victim of what happened to them. Hermione says in the movie, and Dumbledore says in the novel, Fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself. I guess it is good to stand up to things, give it a name, and challenge it. Speaking of challenges, after Aragog is done, the boys notice that all these large spiders are kind of surrounding them, and Ron obviously gets really anxious, and they want to leave, but Aragog says, I'm sorry, you cannot leave. Well, thank you. We'll just go. Go? I think not. My sons and daughters do not harm Hagrid on my command. But I cannot deny them fresh meat when it wanders so willingly into our midst. Goodbye, friend of Hagrid. Can we panic now? Just in the last second, boom, the car comes in again and saves the boys and they escape the forest. And when they're there and they're collecting their wits about them, they realize that Hagrid had nothing to do with the Chamber of Secrets or the attacks. And Harry also figures out that the girl who died 50 years ago must be Moaning Myrtle. So needless to say, adventure is afoot in the next chapter. So please stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. We're gonna go ahead and end this chapter of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay magical out there, everybody. Stay safe and love everybody. Love is the most powerful magic out there. Take care. <laughs>